All right, we are live. Welcome to the Confidence After Dark podcast. The main mission and focus of this podcast is to help couples learn to understand one another, listen to one another, and create a healthy environment for their family using the power of femininity, intimacy, and vulnerability. If all you do is fight and argue, say hurtful or mean things to each other, you want the relationship to work, but you just don't know how after everything that you've been through. I feel you should definitely subscribe to this podcast as I will be providing tips to help you reconnect in your relationship. Because when you thrive, everyone else around you thrives. So in today's episode, I have a guest. She is a tantric sexologist coach. Her name is Erin Berry. And she coaches women on how to release negative cycles and patterns that no longer serve them so that they can welcome more pleasure into their life and be more comfortable with their body. So I wanted to start off by asking Erin to go ahead and introduce herself, what it is that she does, and who she helps, um, who she hopes to serve the most. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the podcast. This is awesome. Um, well, I am Erin, and I am a tantric sexologist and somatic relationship coach. I work mostly with females and couples. So with women, I help them reclaim their pleasure for themselves. Um, I have a membership and do one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. And as you mentioned, really, it's around helping us get out of our own ways. Like we've all received patterns and cycles and conditioning that keeps us from actually creating the relationships that we want and the intimacy that we want. And so ultimately that's the work I do with women. And then I do relationship and tantric um, intimacy coaching with couples, which is a combination of connection, communication, and tantric practices to really deepen people's intimacy, teach them something new, help them reconnect, all the juicy things. All right. Thank you so much for that introduction. So could you tell could you tell us a little bit um about what is Tantra? Because um I I kind of have I think like a surface value idea of what Tantra is. Usually it's you know associated with those crazy positions and you know in, in the book and stuff like that. So could you explain? a little more in depth, like what Tantra is and how you use it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think most people have a pretty narrow understanding of what Tantra is. I think a lot of people I talk to when um, I mentioned Tantra, they're like, oh, that thing that Sting does, you know, they they all know that he practices it. Um, it's actually, it's, it's a part of yoga is really one thing to understand um and it's got a philosophy behind it so it's a very spiritual practice in all of the ways um for the work that i do it's all about seeing your partner and yourself as the divine so it's getting underneath all of those layers of stories and ideas we have about one another and reconnecting on a very spiritual level so it's it's taking sex and making it spiritual 
honestly, more than anything else. So a lot of the practices include breath work. Um, there are, I mean, yab yum is the, I think maybe one of the crazy positions you're talking about, but really that aligns the chakras. So it's a very energetic practice and it really is basically calming and attuning your nervous systems to one another when you're doing this in partnership. So, I mean, everything is connected to the nervous system. So it's just a way to really get in sync with your partner and have a deeper, juicier, intimate life. Okay, so Tantra is just about um, connecting your body with your partner's body, but not so much on just a surface sexual type of way, but more so to like understand each other's body and, and connect energy to energy type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So when I work with individuals, which you can practice Tantra solo as well. Okay. Um, it's all about working with your energy systems. The chakras are involved, and then there's a few others as well that are typically worked with. Um, but it's about basically taking pleasure at, like you were saying, like that super kind of official level of slapping bits or having genital pleasure and actually learning to become the master of your own sexual energy. It's just like spiritual energy or any other kind of energy. Like you can actually work with it. You can spread it throughout your entire body. You can use it to manifest. You can be magical with it. So yeah, it definitely takes the physical act of sex and makes it way more spiritual and deeper and juicier, I think personally. But you do use sex in it like you it yeah, you know you can. You, okay okay yeah, you, <laughs> you don't have to at the same time okay. yeah okay so could it be like you just exploring your body touching your body you know or just getting in tune with your body yeah a lot of the practices that i teach even initially with couples because in a way it's a kind of sexual training you know it's different than anything we've learned some people are already keyed into energy and breath. Some people have never worked with that before, you know, kind of like going to a yoga class for the first time. And so a lot of the time it's actually using just breath and movement and sensual touch and, you know, pleasuring without sex to kind of get those new practices in the body so that you can then take it into your sexual practice and become, you know, the magicians of your own sex life, essentially. Okay. How do you practice Tantra by yourself? Because I didn't know you could do it by yourself. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's just without partnership. So instead of having your partner pleasuring you, you're pleasuring yourself. Mm. And like I said, a lot of the um, practices are actually can just be done with breath work. So when I guide practices in my memberships, basically what I do is I offer, it can be breath work. It can just be meditation, even like focusing your awareness on where you want the energy to go, or it can be, you know, sensual touch all the way up to self-pleasure. Okay. So my next question is, is, is Tantra used in womb healing? So like being able to, to heal any like trauma or damage to the womb, whether that be physical or, you know, emotional type of trauma that ends up settling into the womb um, 
most likely affecting the sacral chakra, right? Mm -hmm. So is um, Tantra, can Tantra be used in order to do womb healing, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the practices that I work with, it's actually intending to heal a specific chakra. So you would definitely be doing the energetic work around it. And then on the flip side, the somatic work I do tends to deal more with the traumatic physical stuff that's still sitting in the body because our we take on trauma in on all the levels, right? So it could be in the chakra, but it also could just be being held in the cells of the womb. So there are practices on both sides that you can work with to help clear that trauma out. Hmm. So what is the benefit of healing your, your sacral, your sacral chakra? <laughs> oh, so many things. I mean, it's really, it's an area that's not just for pleasure. It's also where our creativity lies. And so creativity is something that we all need to be tapped into to really lead our most alive lives. And so doing the work around healing, not only to open up that sexual energy, because pleasure is our birthright. And I think we forget that a lot in especially this culture is actually learning how to work with all of that sexual energy so that you can fuel your life with it, especially as women, we take on sexual energy, like men expend it when they ejaculate, we actually take it on through orgasm. So we can actually learn to fuel our life with it. We tap into our creativity. So to me, the most important reason is just to have the juiciest, most alive lives possible. I mean, it's just such an important center. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. I'm, I'm trying to understand, you know, as much as I can too. And I'm hoping it's um, helping the listeners. So when it comes to masturbation, because I did a, a episode, a solo episode on the podcast about um, masturbation and how I feel like it's so important because it allows you to get to know your body and what it is that you like and what will bring you pleasure and what will, you know, help make, help you achieve an uh, orgasm. And then therefore you can teach your partner how to do that. So can Tantra can you, have you ever <laughs> combined like the two, like having someone do the, the self-pleasure first and then joining with, you know, their partner in order to be able to teach each other how, how to please the other person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had a couple people, you know, who were interested in what I do and then they had this. I feel like this is important for your audience because there might be someone out there doing the same thing, but this idea that if they are self-pleasuring themselves, they're somehow taking away from their partner and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, especially as women, we, our capacity for pleasure is like unlimited. So we can't actually like, there's always more. So don't worry about that. And that is like a big part of um, the solo work that I do and I have like a, a free Facebook group that I talk about this stuff with because I think we we actually most of us have experienced something around self-pleasure that maybe either not being educated at all about it or maybe even being shamed about it. And really it's just a natural part of humanness. Like 
if you watch a small child, they will naturally explore and it's just part of what we do. And honestly, unless we know our own bodies and what works for us, we can't communicate that to our partner. And then it's also not really fair to be putting that fully on our partners, you know, because really ultimately they want to please us. So yes, I think it's sexual training in general is so important. It's part of what I talk about, but also you can always self-pleasure in front of your partner too. They learn so much by actually watching you do it because you will touch yourself differently. You touch yourself in different areas. So yeah, I, you're, you're preaching to the choir there. I, I find it very important. <laughs> okay. I wanted to make sure I was on the right track. It seems <laughs> like I am because yeah. I, I've, I've all, I may not look like it, but I'm the type that has always prioritized my pleasure. Um, you know, I've been comfortable with myself sexually. I, I've never been embarrassed to, you know, masturbate and things like that. I think the hardest part for me though was when I got with my husband um, and being comfortable sharing that with someone else um I've never shared that with someone else before and so but you know we've been together nine years so you know it's it's been a progression of like learning and seeing each other grow and stuff like that but at first it was very uncomfortable you know letting him like see that side because like you said you'd be embarrassed because you don't really know what how your partner is going to feel if they're going to feel like you're taking away from them or that they're not pleasing you enough. Um, I think that's another thing that um, can get maybe confused that if you masturbate, then that means that your partner isn't pleasing you. Is that something that is true or is it just that, you know, there are just different forms of pleasure? Oh, there's just different forms of pleasure for sure. And, you know, I think there is like you actually are touching on a really important thing. A couple of things, actually, you were talking about the communication piece like that is a big part of what I do is create like a safe container so that couples can learn to actually talk about what they desire. A safe place to explore their edge. You know, we all have kinks that are all different from one another. And you know, there's this idea that certain things are wrong. A lot of the work I actually do with my women are is around their sexual story and how they how they got it. Um, but then, no, you are not taking away pleasure from your partner. There is definitely enough for everyone. Oh, there's something else you said that now I'm like, I'll, I'll remember what it was to address it. But yeah, I mean, like I said, they want to please you and they don't necessarily know. We all have the same parts, but they all work differently. So yeah. something that might have lit up uh, an ex-partner might not work for you yeah. and vice versa, you know? And, and also, oh, here's what it was. I'm so glad I remembered this. Mm -hmm. There's this idea in our society that someone else is somehow responsible for our pleasure. Like I, I work a lot around orgasm in what I do and this idea that Really, the minute you put pressure on someone or on yourself to orgasm, that's the minute you're never going to have an orgasm. Like you literally have to release it and just enjoy pleasure for pleasure's sake. So also being really careful that your partner isn't pressuring you into that. And there isn't like a an expectation 
of that, you know? So I think it, this can be very healing for making yourself responsible for somebody else's pleasure and vice versa, because we, we are ultimately responsible for our own pleasure. I speak to this a lot when I speak to people who are in the dating world, like masturbate before you go on a date. Because if you go in there horny, you're probably going to give yourself away to someone that you don't want to, you know? So it's a way of also like, ho like holding your energy for yourself until yeah. you're ready to share it. Right. Ooh, that's a good point. That's a good point. And um, is it also like when you expect your partner to please you, could it also be that um, you feeling like, while you're in the act that your partner should be doing everything possible in order to get you to an orgasm or do you feel like or are you saying that it's both people's responsibility like even when, while you're in the act in the sexual act that yeah your partner can be doing things but you can also be doing things too in order to ensure that you get to an orgasm or is it is it just one way or is it, you know, a, a back and forth? I really do think that communication is so important, even in the act. Okay. Like, how is this working for you? Do you like this pressure? Do you like what I'm doing? Would you like something else? You know, I mean, how else do we learn? You know, I've definitely, I've had clients, you know, who have told their partners before working with me, like, I'm a puzzle. You just have to figure me out. No. Mm -hmm. No, actually, mm -hmm. you have to know what works for you so you can communicate it. And that's not just, um, you know, before intimacy, but it's actually communicating it in intimacy because your partner is in their own experience having their own pleasure. Yeah. So really, it's like a 50-50 thing, right? You're aware of what's going on with your partner, but you're also having your own experience. And so it's a dance. So you wouldn't be able to dance with like a lead and a follow if someone wasn't like, didn't know the steps, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That makes total sense. Yeah. I appreciate you breaking that down. I've always wondered that. And it's, it's, it's good that you also put communication on it because I feel like that was, um, that was the issue between me and my husband. Um, like I said, like, it was so uncomfortable for me to to really let him in on a on a deeper level, you know, outside of the superficial, we're just having sex. But like me getting comfortable communicating what I like and how, you know, things could be improved. And like you said, men think that, you know, what they're doing works for everybody. Like they really think that we're all the same and it's, the vagina is just all the same right and it's like no I'm a completely different person and this is what I like but getting comfortable communicating that I think can be a struggle for a lot of women and I had to get the courage myself to start like speaking my mind and um you know not being afraid that maybe I'll offend my partner or he won't want to have sex with me anymore and it and it actually it actually works and that's how i know what you're saying is true because it actually worked and it brought us closer you know being able to communicate what what pleases each other and it made the sex better <laughs> totally well a few things all of your um listeners should know about this book called come as you are by emily nagowski 
Mm. Um, it basically talks about how, you know, most women or most men experience pleasure in a similar way, right? But women are so different and it talks about why. So that can be super helpful and that can help open the conversation. Um, but the other part of this is. is, yeah, it's great. I'll, I'll make sure I send you a link to it as well. Um, let's see what was the other part of that. Oh, I call it, I call it Tantra foreplay. I mean, and it's really how I start every single session and it's something my partner and I do as well, which is, and it does actually bring you like deeper these connection activities, like I mentioned, that actually help your nervous system settle and attune to one another, but also creating a safe space to communicate. Like I said, because everyone is having these thoughts, right? And then we're all up in our head, assuming like either our partner's supposed to know this, which how would they possibly know this? Or like you said, like that you're somehow going to offend them. Like I just did a post recently about lube I think lube is super misunderstood because women can actually be turned on and not be wet. Just like men can be turned on and not have an erection. Like we, and mm -hmm. by the way, we both get wet and hard just in different ways. And so really there's this whole idea though, that like someone's not doing it for us if we're wet, but really like something else might just be going on that's making it so it's not the case. And so being able to communicate that like, hey, which is what I did with my partner. I was like, I just learned this awesome freaking thing about, you know, how we get wet and how you can be turned on. And that I'm like, so pro lube, I actually hand it out when I go to conferences and speaking events and stuff, because I'm like more lube, it makes sex yeah. better. You know what I mean? So I think if we can start to debunk some of these myths and kind of approach it in that way with our partners as well, as well, you know, they can't take it as personally. Like if we're, so check out that book because I mean, it really does. Then you've got like research to back you up. Like it's not you, honey. It's just, this is the way my body works and it's completely normal. Mm, mm, I love that. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So I'm gonna definitely have to check that book out. I think I've heard of it before. Um, it's on Amazon, right? I think I've heard of it and I've seen it, but um. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely have to get that book now because that's that's an interesting, interesting perspective. And also the fact that um you brought up, you know, some of the barriers. I would like to know what are some common barriers that you see in your tantra practice that may be making it hard for the couples to like connect and and um and so you know during your coaching sessions you have to start unpacking and and removing some what are like some common barriers that you see yeah you know when I get actually into the tantra work we've probably already done most of that um that's more okay. the, the coaching that I do around relationship because that's really what it is it's all of these stories that we've been told or experiences trauma trauma definitely will mess up a sex life you know and even if you didn't take on like mentally something that was traumatic your body may have like and it is not uncommon to hold trauma in your genitals and your anus like that's where we like to hold our trauma so there's actual practices to help de-armor that and to help clear it out like i was kind of mentioning with the second chakra stuff as well um you know stories like I'm, I'm thinking about stories around like women in particular have received really mixed messages about how they can't like good girls can't enjoy sex you know that's a pretty decent one 
other women have stories about bad girls and what the, that means about sex. You know, if you've ever been shamed for self-pleasuring, if you've ever been caught having sex and been shamed, like there are just so many reasons that we have issues around sex. So, um, I mean, common ones with the couples. Um, well, one thing to address is if you've had, if you've had a deep, intimate relationship before you can get it back. If you have the chemistry, which means one of the questions I ask my couples at the beginning is, did you, do you like the way your partner smells? Which is really interesting because in my past life, when I was married, I did not like the way that my husband smelled. And that is like a number one, like chemistry killer. You can't like really help biology, but you can get intimacy back if you had it before. So I think a lot of people um, are curious about that. Um, and then phase of life. I notice a lot of times people will actually be not just comparing to like porn or other couples, but actually more than anything, I see people comparing their like sex now to uh, like another point in their life. And usually the point in their life they're trying to compare it to is like, in their 20s when they didn't have kids and they had like no worries in the world and now they're in their 40s and they have kids and they've got a job and all these responsibilities and stress can kill your sex life you know what i mean and i think especially in like long-term partnerships it's really easy to drift apart and then to have no idea how to get back together i end up working a lot with people who are about to become empty nesters because they're aware like oh my god like we're about to just have this like whole house back to ourselves like what are we even going to do with it you know so i think it's about also honoring where you are in your in your sex life for the phase of life you're in and then we also go through seasons in our sex lives as well. So we travel through just like the earth travels through seasons. There's times when you don't feel like it at all. And then there's times that you want it all the time. And we live in this culture that's obsessed with doing it all the time. And actually it's learning to honor the ebb and flow of where your body's at. Right. All right. That's, that's, that's really good. That made me think, that made me think, um, about a question that I seen in a, a group on social media and I, I just wasn't sure about that so since you're the expert I would like to ask you it kind of kind of was I don't know but basically <laughs> basically um she felt like when her partner masturbates it, it activated her nervous system it made her like really anxious and nervous and I guess feeling like it, I don't even know if she really felt like it was wrong but just like how oh man now so how do you get to the basically what I'm asking is it seems like when he would masturbate and she would find out it would make her upset it would mm -hmm. it would make her upset it would make her just feel real anxious and maybe even like a little you know drop in her stomach like yeah so what can make a person you know feel like oh my gosh my partner is is doing this thing 
and it's causing a a a reaction in my body mm-hmm. to where then I'm I'm viewing them a certain way and I'm like judging them. Yeah. So how what are some things that maybe you know someone can do in that situation where they they view masturbation as as wrong or yeah. like you were saying like taking away from something from the relationship um but maybe the partner is viewing you know them masturbating as a form of like getting it out and releasing yeah within themselves versus going outside the relationship so I was just curious like what what makes a person feel sick or (laughs) so nervous that you know that their partner is engaging in in self-pleasure I mean I think the main thing is like their story so it's hard to it's hard to say exactly like for that person what's happening but that's where a lot of the somatic work that I do comes in because if you have judgment around something around sex, there's something there, something you were probably taught or told about it being wrong or about it meaning something that it doesn't necessarily mean. So I don't think I could answer that for like everyone, but I mean, you know, I think that most of us have different judgments about different sex acts. If it's not masturbation, it could be anal sex, it could be kink, it could be whatever, right? And so any story that we have about anything being run around pleasure is usually conditioning that we've received from somewhere. Right. How do you feel about, um, how do you feel about porn? Like, do you feel like it's a good thing or do you feel like it takes away from the relationship? You know, I think, Anything that's external like that, uh, or even internal like fantasy, it depends on the weight you're putting into it. It depends on how much you're doing it, right? Like there's definitely an addiction issue with porn out in the world. And ultimately even that people are seeking pleasure and it's just become this way that's not serving their own personal sex life. I think it can be super helpful for people. I think they can learn things from it, but I think sometimes it also creates like an expectation, like an unrealistic expectation about what sex is. So um, I wouldn't say that I think it's bad or good. I think it could be used as a tool. And I think there's all sorts of different kind. You know, I'm, I'm more about like whatever floats your boat as far as like more pleasure in the world, as long as it's in a healthy way. Uh, fantasy can be the same way. Like, I think fantasies are completely fine, but I know a lot of times people will get stuck in their fantasies and put a lot of weight on them. And that's when we get into trouble. Anytime that something that could never actually happen takes on more weight than what's actually possible in the world is where we tend to run into issues. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, when you're having sex and your partner is fantasizing about somebody else that could be harmless i wasn't actually thinking in partnership i was thinking self-pleasure but you know ah, I okay space in relationship to then have like maybe act out that fantasy with your partner um one of the practices that i enjoy sharing with couples is called sandboxing and it's really like you get to create your date night and you get to or your sex experience in that night and, you know, really push your edge as far as what it is that you're wanting to explore. And I think there is 
space for it there. You know, I think if you notice that you're fantasizing always, I'm sure it's very normal for people to fantasize during sex. But if you notice that you're doing it all the time, then there might be something there to look at. Mm, okay. Okay. Is it? Mm, so then that made me think, is it normal not to fantasize during sex? Like all of it's normal. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, what I would say is with the Tantra stuff, it's, it is harder to fantasize because a big mm. part of Tantra is being very present with the experience mm -hmm. that you're currently having, mm -hmm. which I think so often we actually miss just in life in general, the experience that we're having not being present with the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, for me personally, what that's what Tantra does is it kind of takes you out of your head and actually brings you into the life you're currently leading, which is pretty amazing, you know, especially if you're having sex, it's probably, it's probably a reason you're doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly just ask that because when you said you know it's 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 normal um you know for a lot of people to have fantasies it made me think because I don't I don't have fantasies like when I'm having sex with my partner I'm just like focused on him or that experience or whatever and he he, he was just like he you know he tries to get inside my mind like you really don't think of nothing else like you don't think of anybody else and I'm just like no like I'm just here <laughs> like I if I think about something else or I think about somebody else it's like it throws me off mm -hmm. so I just was wondering you know so is it abnormal not to have fantasies or to be thinking of of something else in order to I guess get pleasure but you're saying that you can you can have it both ways any way that you that you want you know as long as it, yeah. it gets you where you want to be right yeah yeah I'm yeah real pleasure more pleasure in the world so you know as long as it's in a healthy way I don't right right wow so when when couples are um are feeling disconnected from each other usually you're saying that it's a communication issue or that they're just not able to understand and express what the the issue is because i see um the new thing nowadays is that we we grew apart we grew, we just grew apart so how hmm, I guess that's too general of a question. I just was thinking like, how do people grow apart if, you know, you've been together so long, shouldn't you know each other by now? Like, how do you, how do you grow apart? Is it like a communication thing usually? Or like you said, you not knowing how to refocus on your partner especially if you have children leaving the house and things like that um I think it's especially in that situation my perspective is that like you said there wasn't really chemistry in the beginning or you might have never really liked that person from the beginning and so there wasn't really like that glue to keep you together and prevent you from like growing apart 
But I would like to hear your opinion. What what What's your opinion on that when you hear people who have been together 15, 20, 30 years and are like, we just grew apart. Like, what, what does that make you think? I mean, it could be a couple things. First of all, I, I don't see the ends of relationships as a failure. Like when I work with couples on like my relationship coaching stuff, the end goal may not be to stay together. It's to figure out your, your truth now. Like, and honestly, I'm so grateful for the therapist I had when I was questioning my marriage, because he actually eventually said, I don't think this works. And I, I thanked him. Well, I actually teach from them now in their relationship academy. So that's kind of fun. Um, but I mean, I think, I mean, I think there could be truth to that because we are all here in human form growing. And so that doesn't mean that we grow in the same direction. It doesn't mean we grow at the same pace. And I personally believe that our relationships have, they're, they're where we make our biggest growth. And a lot of times what I've seen is on the flip side where people stay much longer than they should because they've got the conditioning of till death do us part or happily ever after, or whatever it is that makes them feel like an ending is a failure. Um, so, I mean, there's that part of it. And then, yeah, I mean, if you, it's really funny to me, I really feel that relationship should be taught in like the fifth grade or, you know, elementary school with sex education, uh, which is a whole other <laughs> Pandora's box we could open. Right. But it's, it's like, we think that we know how to do this thing. And really we've been modeled it by people who may or may not know what the heck they're doing. You know, the actual container of relationship is changing right now. So the reason that we became more monogamous beings in the beginning had to actually do more with like agriculture and ownership and actually helping uh, work a farm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Than it does now. Now that I think there's different expectations of relationship. And so I think the growing apart happens when there isn't like a purpose to the relationship, which is something I'm really huge on, and that people are just going through the motions. Like, how many times have you heard in your life, like, oh, that person's single, I need to set them up with someone. Like, there's actually nothing wrong with being single. It's a, it's a perfectly good choice, you know? And this idea that we have to be in connection to be complete and whole is kind of a load of crap. And so I think that's when people tend to grow apart when they're like, I'm in this relationship because I'm supposed to be in relationship but it might not be the right relationship for them, or it may not even be their truth that they should be in relationship right then. Okay, I appreciate your perspective. Um, so is there anything anything else you feel like the listeners should, should know or um, understand about using Tantra, about using breath work, about, about getting in tune with their body, taking control of their pleasure? Yeah, so a big one that came up just a bit ago when you were um, talking was a big thing I work with people on is safety, which ultimately when it comes to sex is maybe not something that we're thinking about in all of the ways. So you might feel physically safe, but maybe there's not safety around emotional, like emotional safety or spiritual safety. So there's all these layers. So a lot of the people that I work with, actually, that's what I'm doing for these couples is helping them create a safe 
space, you know, whether they've experienced post like past trauma or something happened in their relationship that created a rupture. I think that's super important. And then around the self-pleasure piece, that's really where you start to learn your body's yeses, nos, and maybes and honoring them. Like even you don't have to ever touch yourself if your body is not a yes. And so it's actually really starting to listen to like what's going on physically inside of you so that you can make sure when you are being intimate, it, you're in choice about it and not just doing something that you think you're supposed to do. So that would be like part of my sex education talk to my daughter as well. <laughs> mm, I like that. I like that. Yes, yes, maybes and no's. Is, is yeah. that what you said? Yes, and it can maybe change from moment to moment. Like you could be yeah. a yes and then it could be a no. And then it's mm -hmm. okay in that moment to be like, you know what? Actually, this isn't okay for me right now. And then to make sure that your partner is someone who will honor those for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like the idea of emotional safety as well, especially as women, you know, because we tend to be more emotionally driven. And I feel like we we need more of that emotional connection and like you said, safety and in order to welcome our partner and it be a pleasurable experience. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you, you know, answering my questions, giving, giving feedback. I really enjoyed this episode. I've always been curious about Tantra, like what it is, how it can be used. Um if you could use it by yourself, that was an interesting one. And then the the book, Come As You Are, I, I really like that recommendation. So um, I'm gonna definitely go check that out. And I appreciate you um, speaking on the relationship piece too. I've, I've always like, just wondered what, what does it mean to grow apart? And you explained it very well, like people just are going through different phases in life and it just may not align or it just may not be what you need anymore because you, you know, you stay longer than you were supposed to, like you said. So mm -hmm. I appreciate all the information, all the, the insight. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and doing this interview. Oh, this was wonderful. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. So can you um, just shout out where um, the listeners can find you online, if you know, and be able to schedule a call with you or maybe follow you on social media, see what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is erinberrybliss.com. And then you can find me on Facebook under the same name, Erin Berry Bliss. I also have a, um, a group called Pleasure Seekers. It's a safe space for women to explore their pleasure. It's the, I think there's two of us out on Facebook. So there's a pink background is how you can find mine. Um, and then on Instagram, I do a lot of stuff on intimacy under my the Pleasure Priestess 111 handle. And all of my connection, like to schedule a time to meet with me is out on my website. All right. Awesome. And I will be sure to put all of this information in the show notes as well. So make sure that you click the description box and you read the information there so you can be sure to know where to, to find everything that we've talked about in the interview and the schedule call with, with Ms. Erin. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for listening. 
Um, make sure that you follow us on social media, visiting the website to, to book a call. And if you are struggling in any of these areas, whether it be self-pleasure, communication, connecting with your partner on a deeper spiritual level, getting comfortable with your body, understanding how to use, you know, breath work in order to take control of, you know, your pleasure and having a more juicier and fulfilling life, then make sure that you um, save this podcast, go visit Ms. Berry's website, get a session with her, and get the ball rolling to, to come overcome a lot of the barriers that we talked about in this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.